Looks good, alright. So, three, two, one. We're live. Greetings, Eigen people. Greetings, Eigen they, them, Eigen <laughs> she, Eigen she, her, him. She, hers, him. Thank you. <laughs> we're reclusive. Cancelled. No, we're inclusive. <laughs> I did, yeah, the pronouns are cancelled. Nah, just, we're an inclusive podcast, and today we're including our friend, Joe. Yes, indeed. Yes. Many of you true fans out there may remember Joe from some of the older episodes that we yeah. did with Eric Weinstein, and also who else did we do? Joe? Yeah, Eric was there. Yeah. Joe Rogan was there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great time, right? Uh, I don't even remember who else we did. Uh, mm. We do all the physicists, so I think yeah. maybe we did um, Brian Green or something. No, oh, no, no Brian we didn't do Green. Brian. Yeah, we did, did we do we Brian, did, Green? We did Brian okay. Green? Okay. No, I don't, I don't think know that if we was did. Me. I think it might have just been us two. Sure. We, then maybe we did um, Sean Carroll, probably. I I'd say yes. Okay, I'd whatever. Yeah. I don't even. It's remember. too long ago for just, Joe to remember this yes. stuff, and must but as well be a yes man on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, how long? How long ago was that? The Eric <sighs> too <laughs> long ago. Yeah, you know what's crazy was Eric actually told me he watched that podcast. Oh no! No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy! <laughs> you actually watched our podcast? He's like, yeah. He said it was really weird watching people talk about you. I was like, oh, I hope we said nice things. He's like, oh yeah, you guys were great. Did he have his like, pants? Oh. Did he have his pants down? <laughs> I want to know. Eric, if you think we're sexy, let us, let us drop a drop a sexy in the comments below. No, don't don't say that. I'm trying to get Eric to actually to actually like us. <laughs> no, Eric, Eric, I think he'll appreciate the comedy we bring to the table. I think probably. Yeah, Eric's got a sense of humor. Yeah, he does. He's a funny guy. Yeah, but um, no, well, like last. I think last time we we were fumbling the uh, the show because we we're like we know nothing about astrophysics. Yeah, yeah. Literally <laughs> like, the last episode we were yeah, like yeah. we do like nothing on astrophysics. <laughs> I think we did maybe one episode with Sahana yeah. on Astro, yeah, but yeah. that was but she still... does astronomy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so it was still just... it was it was kind of informative, I think. But still, I think we need to do more Astro oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. Should, I mean, it's yeah. one of the three fields. Yeah, that we yeah. just we we discovered. I can't believe it's only three. That's so weird. <laughs> Because we were, we were saying this the other day, Joe. Do you yeah. do you? Maybe yeah. you can remember f- or help us out too. Because we were thinking there's only three fields of physics, really. Yeah, yeah. condensed matter, nuclear, high energy. We'll kind of couple Mine, those two, yeah. and then a- astro. Is that it for real? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about combining nuke and high energy, but other than that, <clears throat> yeah, I guess so. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's fair, too, because, right, yeah. they have a designation for a reason. Nuclear and high energy are separate in the physics world, but... Well, they're like particle physics either way to me. Yeah, but they use different models, right? So nuclear people use specific models, and then high energy people use specific well, it's models. it's like relativistic and non-relativistic. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more, it's more than that, because I think the models are, like, still, like... Um, there's still like approximations mm-hmm. for certain regimes. So like nuclear people will use like three different models depending on what they're doing. Gotcha. It's kind of dis- kind of disconnected in some ways. Gotcha. So I guess it is fair. So is non-relativistic, since you're in astrophysics, you guys talk about non-relativistic stuff, relativistic stuff a lot, I imagine. Sure, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I imagine like the non-relativistic stuff is the sexy stuff. No, the relativistic the stuff, stuff is the sexy stuff. Yeah, yeah, but the non-relativistic is probably easier stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> like, if if you're dealing with relativity, I mean, you're in for a headache, right? <laughs> all these, but all GR these coefficients and for stuff. the for the layman, yeah. GR is very relevant in astro because sure. really the thing is, GR has to do with and that's general relativity mm-hmm. has to do with the curvature of space time. Sure. So 
when you have more massive objects, you get more curving of space. So yeah, and most of the research I've seen, though GR, you could kind of ignore it, right? Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, if you want to be more accurate, you'll include like GR effects. Oh, so the corrections are small, basically. Obviously, it depends on what you're looking at, right? But um, like super massive black holes, you can. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if you're interested in black holes, GR is probably in your wheelhouse. So you better love tensors <laughs> and Christoffel bullshit. Yeah, I literally had a dream last night about somebody saying tensors to calculating a, a, a some tensor thing. I was like, why am I dreaming about tensors? Nerd. <laughs> yeah. And not even like I, I was admiring somebody who was doing the work. I was like, this is very good work. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. So Juan quarantine, loves tensors. Quarantine dreams. It's just been so strange. But uh, but yeah, man. I know. I know. Um, I know you brought a book with you, actually. What yeah, you, I mean, you, it, what have you been reading lately? If you want to talk about that, I mean, so I guess I'll just plug my podcast, right? Um, yeah, yeah, been, for sure. Been getting back into that. Uh, the book I have with me is called Conscious. It's by Annika Harris. More free advertising. <laughs> Well, it's because um, my podcast, Beyond the Physics, right, uh, we're trying to start up another series, a book club. Oh, nice, dude. Right. So if you're interested in checking out our podcast um, and you want to check out the book club, go ahead and this is your reading assignment. Hell right. yeah. Conscious. Right, I'm going to have to ask you check out I'll, Beyond the Physics. I'll, I'll look. I'm a reader, bro. I'll come and read. I'll come and read whatever and then come and talk about it. Right. So we chose this book on purpose because, um, because on... Uh, we had our podcast together, right, about objective morality, and we hope to um, make it like a more like overarching series about like what is consciousness, yeah. how that could possibly relate to physics and stuff like that. And um, so this uh, would be a natural jumping off point for a book club, and it's very small, right? It's like a hundred pages. If you took uh, a day out of your week, you could probably finish it. Yeah, mm. true. Cool, right. man. Yeah. So. We're planning on having a conversation about that soon. So if you guys are interested. Yeah, um, we definitely have a follow-up to that. Because <laughs> I'm not sure how our conversation ended. Oh, with we the had a discussion about it. Oh, didn't morality. we like backpedal our we did. original <laughs> Because I think we settled on an objective morality at the end of Joe and show. Irene. Yeah, at the end of their show. But then recently we talked about it again and we came back full circle to subjective moral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't know I don't remember the argument now. Yeah, I don't either. So we're just yeah, we'll, have to, to, we'll have to yeah, maybe we'll do a part two or something. We'll that, part that's two. a big old can of worms. Uh. Yeah, so once I read this book, I'll I'll we'll we'll dissect yeah, yeah. this further, but Yeah. So anyways, check it out and uh yeah, keep an eye out for that stuff. But cool man yeah, yeah check, guys, out, make check sure out joe's you, podcast too yes and i think joe is it still um on just like apple spotify uh it's apple spotify iheart radio is interestingly Ooh. the most popular um Ooh. you know it's on everything pretty much okay uh, yeah. overcast you know whatever yeah yeah you just send out the rss feed and then it's all taken care of yeah yes. yeah but you guys are not going to do video podcast no, we've been doing audio. Okay, cool. Right, so, um, so yeah, guys, make sure you check out all those platforms, whatever one you're comfortable with, and then, yeah, you'll find Joe there. Yeah, so we've been making new episodes. I don't know if you've checked out any of them recently, but... Uh, no, I didn't know you guys were starting back up. Yeah, probably since our long break, we've mm. put out like four more or something. Oh, okay. Then, I noticed you were on Twitter a couple times. Yeah, I, re- I retweeted your stuff. You saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, Joe's on Twitter. I don't know. I didn't know you guys were actually starting the um, podcast back though. Yeah, so check so it I'll out. Check them out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good stuff. Cool, but, cool. 
Yeah, guys. So um, I guess, Joe, let's get to the topic at hand that I wanted to discuss. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about supernovas with you. Okay. So I don't know what even the hell a supernova is. Purposely try to stay away from any definitional stuff so we can just have kind of a organic me being a naive idiot <laughs> asking sure. naive questions sure. yeah, if yeah. need be. So I wanted to see, and this is, and for the audience, this is relevant because Joe's research is in supernovas. Right. Uh, so, and that's, that's, I love getting into Marvel comic stuff. So this is like perfect for me because mm-hmm. I know nothing about physics. This is supernova, the, the, the hero. The... Is that actually somebody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. it <laughs> I was trying to provide some, inject some comic relief, but it has to, you have to know the reference. But... Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. All right, fine, fine. All right. But Supernova's... I liked comics, but. Yeah, Supernova is a, a. Was it X-Men? Marvel... No, he's a Marvel uh, superhero. A standalone. Yeah. That's some esoteric. They're going to have some movie about <laughs> him pretty soon. Oh, okay. I'm excited about it. But anyway, actual Supernova. Yeah. Um, what are they, Joe? What the hell? Well, so, I mean, I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how confidently I could speak on this stuff. I recently switched projects, right, from, like, uh, I was studying massive stars and, like, dynamics and stuff yeah. like that, mm. right? So I was looking more at, like, um, they call it astrometry, right? It's basically using Gaia uh, to make just measurements of, like, parallax and, like, how they move on the sky and stuff like that. But um, after talking with my advisor, it seemed like we should probably switch projects, right? So now we're studying supernova stuff, which are things that he's more comfortable with and he knows a lot more about. Um, I probably on a hierarchy, I am just above a naive idiot, right? <laughs> right? So like I could attempt to explain this stuff, but um, really I'm just hey man, to that's more than fine. That's better than we are. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll right. take any we'll take any insights. Yeah, we're at the ground level right yeah, now. Yeah. We have yeah, no right. clue. And maybe we'll also in, in help you out in the future for when you need to, you know. Correct. Talk, give your elevator <laughs> speech on supernovae. Sure, okay. Right, but so a supernova is just basically, uh, as far as I understand, um, you know, like, for the majority of a star's life, it burns hydrogen into helium, right? And that defines, on the HR diagram, the Hertzsprung-Russell diagram, um, where you plot brightness versus temperature, um, it defines this, well... It, it defines the main sequence, right? Okay. Which is a straight uh, diagonal line shows a correlation between temperature and brightness. So it's a linear correlation. Um, most of the time they plot it in the log, I think. Mm, okay. Um, it's straight. It's a straight line in the log. Okay. Okay. Right. So but pretend uh, straight line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so the main sequence is defined when it's burning hydrogen into helium. So most of a star's life, it's on this main sequence. And then towards the end of its life, um, it starts fusing like heavier elements, right? Mm. And it goes off the main sequence and it gets off that well-defined uh, line, right? Okay. Uh, um, and at that point, once it fuses through all the heavy elements and um, goes to iron, right, it can't fuse anymore. So then it will explode, <laughs> causing what they call a supernova, and it will either turn into a white dwarf or a black hole. So, could you maybe elaborate a little bit on what it means with fusing, though? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe we can maybe we kind of just talk around it a little bit ourselves, because I would imagine it's something like um, we know that stars 
they're always producing um, energy in ter- in, as a release of heat, right? By basically gravity squishing squishing that inner core so much that it's just getting released as heat energy. Um, now, I would imagine that the fusing is somehow these heavier elements are being squished together as the fusion process happens and just keeps repeating over and over and over again until you get to higher and higher orders of elements. Yeah. You think that sounds probably accurate? Yeah, that sounds mostly correct. Okay. Uh, and the reason it stops at iron, I believe, is because um, you you don't net energy by um, by fusion anymore, right? So it's like, I know very little about nuclear physics. That yeah, is yeah. not my wheelhouse, but... Um, as far as I understand, is is that um, once you get to iron, um, that fusion process doesn't net you any energy, right? So it becomes, mm. so it has to collapse. Right? I see, I see. So it has to do with the energy, right? Bottoming out in some Cost. sense. Yeah. yeah interesting. Exactly. I always wonder. I was like, why? How always iron does it stop at? But okay, interesting, cool. Yeah. So then I guess it's also why all the heavier elements pass like iron. Well, I guess not because isn't um. Sorry, I keep like. F- stopping my sentences but isn't um gold doesn't gold have a higher element composition than iron i think so yeah i think so too hmm we gotta investigate why why some of the elements that are higher than iron can actually exist naturally right it has something to do with the r process right i don't Mm. i learned very little about this in cosmology but um there is a complicated process that has to do with when the stars die, uh, like how it can create these heavier elements. I see. I so see. dramatic. Stars <laughs> dying, exploding, yeah. throwing cosmic tantrums. You know, I always hear about like the cosmic death rays. Mm-hmm. So when do, when do those come in? What are those like GRBs? I guess gamma ray bursts. Sure. Yeah, the gamma ray bursts. Have you ever heard of those, Joe? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm so, sure you're, you're. I know you're not. Um, that's not your area of research. But so I know like higher energy. So like, please calm me down, uh, Joe, because uh, I constantly think one day there will just be a beacon of a cosmic ray blast. That's a good way to go, man. That it's a quick glasses our Earth. Yeah, <laughs> it just glasses our planet one in one instant. Just whoosh. it's fine. We'll just no, but we be would vaporize. See, we would see it coming, right? Yeah, we would feel the. We would feel our burning of our skin. No, probably. sure, but we would see it coming. <laughs> please tell me. I, Please tell me yes. I think I, we feel it actually. Again, I, I have, see it maybe. I am just totally guessing, but I would think no. I think it would just happen. I'm guessing it would travel at the speed of light, and so it would just. No, but we got to see it coming. Right? I think I read something though that it said that we would feel our skin boiling basically first. <laughs> though, I don't think it would be a quick, painless death. <laughs> I don't know how accurate it was. I don't even remember the resource, but mm-hmm. I remember reading something where it would not be that pleasant as we would expect, <laughs> because it's like. You know, we already feel the heat from the sun. Yeah. yeah. And then if something like that high energy is like approaching us, mm-hmm. we're still going to have a baking time over some period of time before it actually hits us. Uh, what, I guess what I'm saying is, do we know, do we know what kind of planets or, or like, uh, oh, what celestial objects celestial actually objects turns actually... into gamma ray yeah, bursts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it... I'm just positing a question. I don't know. So yeah. are they related to supernova in any way? Hmm. I don't know. We've yeah. got to be fair because Joe, Joe is, is new Joe to this special area too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the thing about PhDs. They're very specialized in one Yeah, exactly. Thing. You asked me a question about condensed matter. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They asked me about condensed matter. I don't know. I tell them I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no. so... I'm just but, asking questions here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're interesting questions, but 
we may have to like research or mm-hmm. something beforehand. Maybe it's just my that. anxiety. Like I just drank too much coffee and just analyzing <laughs> it's it. good though good good to have energy <laughs> so keep that up. energy i'm just like sitting here boiling like just on the inside <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so joe the um so the supernova though is like one of the there's a step before supernova right i remember there being something like white dwarves or something involved well, like, like I said, after that comes after. Uh, oh, comes after the supernova. Yeah. What's before the supernova then? Uh, that's when it comes off of the main sequence, right? So that's burning hydrogen to helium, and then it goes into heavier elements. And mm-hmm. depending on how massive the star is, will affect how that process goes, how fast it is. And- but do you remember there's if there's a name to the star type that comes before it? I'm not sure I understand the question, right? Like... Um, because I know there's like a cycle to stars, right? Like, so, and I know they go through like these phases. Yeah, and I can't remember exactly what the names are. I think maybe it's, it's right. not even that, important. That, or maybe that's what I was trying to refer to with the main sequence, right? So that's like mm-hmm. majority of a star's life, and then that afterwards they just call that post main sequence. Okay, stars. okay, right. So just right when it's it's it gets off that main sequence, then it turns to a supernova. Well, not right. Maybe relatively speaking, it, oh, okay, the yeah. process is pretty short, but um, it could take, you know, hundreds, mm-hmm. thousands of years mm-hmm. for that to happen, depending on the star. Okay, cool. Interesting. So, um, is so with your supernova stuff, though, is there anything, like, really interesting that you've been reading about lately? I mean, not particularly. What my project is, is... Um, we're trying to figure out how stars evolve, right? Is mm-hmm. we actually don't have a good model for how. And what does that mean, evolve? Um, how they change over time, right? So, like mm-hmm. the main sequence, like I said, is well defined. We know that pretty well. But what happens after the main sequence can be pretty chaotic. And then even what stars go supernova, or like um, what happens to them afterwards, like we don't really know very well, right? So. Mm-hmm. To do that, uh, you need to get observations, right? So my project has to do, it's maybe you could say it's astronomy related, um, has to do with observations. So basically, um, you have to see a star <laughs> to, to confine this theory, right? You need to see a star before it explodes and then capture it right after it explodes. Right? Good luck. Right, so it's a pretty... <laughs> Coincident, like most of the time, those observations just are accidents. Right? Yeah, and um, those observed by Hubble, I think, are of order twenty historic mm. observations. Mm-hmm. Um, where something like that has happened, where you see a star and then you happen to know that it went supernova, and then it's you know out of your mm-hmm. out of your camera lens, right? Um, now, are you guys using uh, some real heavy astronomy gear, or do you just use? I'm using Hubble. Oh, you are using Hubble. How does how okay. does this one guy observe all this? This Hubble guy. <laughs> God damn it, what? <laughs> actually, you know what? I actually yeah. saw um, where Hubble used to do his uh, first astronomy research at. Um, oh, California. California, right? yeah, yeah, Mount Wilson. Hmm. It was crazy because my school was like the ones who owned that place. I was like, oh shit, I didn't know that. My old undergraduate yeah, institution. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and it was cool, man. They had a giant, like 30, I forget what they called it, like 30 something. I forget the, 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 the measurement, maybe 30 centimeter telescope or something. 
Um, but it has to do with classifying the lens, but it was a mm-hmm. giant telescope that basically you could turn with like a lever and it would move wherever you would point it. And it was cool. They had actually a uh, interferometer there too. Hmm. Um, they have Hubble's brain in a vat. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually still controlling it. Yeah. <laughs> to this day. Yeah. But um, anyways, uh, to, f- to finish uh, my project. Um, right. So basically what we want to do is get more observations of supernovae, mm-hmm. right? So either direct observations or you can get it after the fact, right? There's like supernova remnants, right? Which you can get mm-hmm. some information from. Like after the star explodes, you'll see like a puffy cloud in the sky mm-hmm. for a long time, you know, um, afterwards. And um, so to get enough information from those supernova remnants you have to get more than yep you, you just basically need more observations so right? there are different subtypes right of supernova. yeah there's type one and type two and yeah. then that in those types there's some categories oh interesting mm. right and you know it depends on complicated stuff dealing with like right, spectrom- right, right. Uh, spectrometry like do you like do you do you kind of have a type that you guys are looking at right now or just trying to characterize uh, not particularly okay, at so the still, moment. Still kind of figuring out. Scoping. Well, we're just trying to get as much data, data as possible. In general? Right. Nice. Yeah. Um, so Makes we sense. want to get of order like a, th- a few thousand supernova uh, remnants cataloged, and so I'm trying to come up with like an observation technique to like get. So like Hubble can only see so far, right? And then there's a bunch of fuzzy stars in the background that are like um, so far away that they can't be resolved and I'm trying to see if there's any way to get information from that like fuzzy background so I imagine you you do a lot of programming right yeah because like to, to me this is like a prime example of where it would be beneficial to have like some kind of uh, AI or something you know what I mean some kind of neural network yeah. or something where it's just like you don't have to monitor the sky 24 7 you have this like program that scans the sky and then reads certain markers of like telltale signs of like you're saying. Yeah. Um, stuff. Yeah. I could see what you're saying. I mean, uh, probably that would be useful. Um, but since we're dealing with, of order, not many events. Um, True. I don't know if that's necessary. Like one of my friends worked on gravitational waves. They yeah. did like citizen science stuff, which was kind of interesting. Like mm-hmm. for detecting gravitational waves, they just, you know, taught a bunch of people that were interested in trying to determine like events. Um, They had like a program for teaching them how to read gravitational waves Mm -hmm. and um, categorizing them. And so then that filters through to the scientists. And um, do you know, do we know anybody at our university that does gravitational wave stuff? I don't think anyone does does stuff like that. It's it's mainly supernova, core collab Mm -hmm. supernova. And, um, a couple of cosmologists and one observational guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, Joe, I wanted to ask you, man, a particular question that I would just, I was kind of thinking it's fundamental stuff with astronomy. Sure. Um, and one thing I was not so certain on was how do we actually measure the distance of um, stars? The The distance to a star from Earth? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a great question. It's very difficult, right? That's yeah. That's one of the most important things in like cosmology and stuff like that mm-hmm. is determining accurate distances. Um, it depends on how far you want to go, 
right? There's different techniques for different things. Um, for a majority of the stars that are like nearby, like constellations and stuff like that that you can see, they use something called parallax, right? Which is um, my dad is a, works for an optometrist, right? And that he uses parallax, um, so it's kind of like an analogy. I could try to explain it. It's like um, if I look at my hand and I close one of my eyes, right? It it looks like it's at some point in my field of view, and then if I close the other eye and open um, vice versa, looks like my hand shifts a tiny bit. Right, right. Right, and that's parallax for your eyes. And so imagine doing that with the planet Earth revolving around the sun or like a satellite revolving around the Earth, right? Like if you treat like um, the sun as the center and then you have the Earth on one side could be analogized to your right eye and then you revolve around to the other side of the sun that could be considered opening your left eye. And if you look at the same object, it kind of constrains um, through that angle Mm -hmm. how far away that Mm. star is. So I'm a little bit confused about the jumping part, though. What does the jumping indicate? There's well, distance. so so the problem is, is like when you look at a star, right, you have no idea how far away it is because it could either be the case that it is bright and far away or dim and close and you'd have the same brightness. Yeah. Right? So you have like a line of, uh, of possible locations for this star. Mm-hmm. But then if you go to a different location, you've kind of triangulated more or less um the position of that star because you have another intersecting line that create that defines this point right for the potential location of the star hmm yeah that's cool man so then though the so then your distance from the earth to the star is a function of how much that object jumps when you switch sure. your view. Yeah, the angle, right? Interesting, interesting. So the idea is that, like, when you when you have the correct, I guess, distance, the it, the object should not have this parallax, right? It shouldn't have this, like, it shouldn't observe this jumping effect. Um, you're gonna observe it regardless, right? Yeah. Uh, and then all you do is use something like small angle approximation. Because to... I've seen I've done this experiment in the lab with a parallax mm-hmm. experiment where it's like you have a pencil and then you have a mirror and then you kind of move your eye left and right and then you try to align the image in the mirror to the pencil or something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like right when you get the actual, like, how would you say, the, um, the distance measured, um, meaning the real distance of the pencil behind the mirror, depending on the kind of lens it is, let's, let's just pretend it's, uh, it's producing a real image. Um, so it's saying like your image is 14 centimeters, let's say, in the mirror. And that's how you get the distance when you observe that the parallax between the two is it basically you, you don't see that. that no, I think that it has something to do with like focal distance or something, right? Right, right. But, but I'm saying like the real, you kind of get this mapping of like, you know the focal length of your mirror. Yeah, but I think that has to do with like you're looking now exactly where the two rays are com- are meeting mm-hmm. at that pencil, yeah. which is different than I think what Joe is saying. So it is different than your case. I think it's the same. You're exploiting the same physics, the same yeah, idea, okay. but um, but his is independent just, of like you have to line it up. It's right. basically uh-huh. saying that you can look at this planet at any two points, mm-hmm. and just wherever that jump is then you have an idea of how much distance you have now. Gotcha. Because yeah. because the actual distance is a function of that jump effect. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas yours is like you're actually trying to line it up intentionally to where the two um, the two rays are basically exactly equal. Gotcha. At that, at that distance. Yeah. But okay. So, cool. I mean, just to go a little further, I mean, if you want to know distances to further objects, which is really important for cosmology, um, you could look up something called the cosmic distance ladder, right? So there's like different observations. Like, for instance, one of the most important has to do with supernovae is the type 1A supernova, right? And um, that's important because it has, it's like a, they call it a standardizable candle, I think. Um, it has like a characteristic brightness to its its explosion. I think it's due to the Chandrasekhar mass limit. There's like um, a specific type a of star. A lot of terms I don't know anything about. There's a specific <laughs> type of star that its evolution is well known, right? And um, and so basically it's known to explode at like, I forget, uh, 1.4 solar masses or something. Mm. It's known to explode at this specific mass, right? And so you know, you can predict how bright that explosion should be. Right, it's one of the few mm. examples where we know what should happen to the um, the late stage life cycles of mm. these stars. Mm. So, because you know how bright that output should be, you can get good uh, distance measurements. Okay, and so that's important because you know, in cosmology, finding distances to faraway things lets you determine the past of the universe, helps you figure out like how old the universe is, mm. when it should end, you know, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Interesting, man. Very right. interesting. The speed of light is constant. Right? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Sorry, I missed I that. I just said the speed of light is constant, so, you know, you know, distance over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank easy. you, Juan. <laughs> easy, peasy. <laughs> easy peasy, man. Easy peasy. At that point, it's easy. Yeah. Cool, man. That's cool. Um, another one I wanted to ask you, Joe, fundamentals. Let's, let's okay. get back to the basics here. Sure. I wanted to ask you another one that I kind of know the idea to, but I just want to see what you're which you also have to say about it. So how do we determine the um, chemical compositions of celestial objects? Spectroscopy is, mm-hmm. would be my answer, right? So if you want me to explain it, that's kind of long-winded, but... Um, Just as simple as, as you can. You don't have to get too crazy with it. I don't know how to explain it simply, right? Because it, it requires quantum mechanics. And underst- really? A, and under- a basic understanding of quantum mechanics. Um, so I'll, let me let me maybe give it a shot, and then you can maybe fill in the blanks. Yeah. So what I would say is spectroscopy basically, what I would imagine, I actually don't even know really with astronomy. I would imagine what you guys do is you point some kind of telescope or something at a, um, let's say, a planet or something, right? Yeah. Um, and then what happens is, that planet is going to be radiating um, certain light. Yep. That I guess it, I guess it's going to get that light from bouncing off like a sun or something or another star. Is that true? Uh, Maybe that's wrong. Maybe I should just continue. To go. I'll just say <laughs> it's going to ra- it's going to radiate some kind of light. Yeah. Then that light. Um, is going to get collected by the telescope. Yep. And when you actually look at what the light composition is, you're going to get different frequencies of light. Yep. Yeah. And then those different frequencies of light indicate how much certain 
chemicals should your planet should be made up of because there will be different absorptions yep. yeah, of exactly. those lights. Yep. yep. E equals HV. Well, it'd probably be okay. a, it, it'd be emission, right? If yeah. in the example you're talking about, there's emission and absorption. It'd be emission. Yeah, because yeah. you're getting the light. The light emitted. Oh, because the light is coming in. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Okay, so yeah, so how much of the light is emitted in those different frequencies? Right, and the reason you need to know quantum mechanics is because the only way you could tell what those elements are from those energies or those frequencies is because there's only specific energy levels allotted to different elements. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So you really got to know your quantum foundational stuff, or at least you needed some kind of reference chart. Yeah. Unless you're just some kind of crazy Sherlock Holmes who knows all those values. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you remember. But um okay, but then my question is the next question I have is there's got to be some weird coincidences where you have certain elements that actually radiate the same kind of energies or radiate the same um emit the same values of energy um yet they are two different elements. Is that true or no? Um, so I, I don't think so. So you're talking about like degeneracies of yeah. like if you have a peak, you know that corresponds to some frequency. How do you know what element? It is? Yeah, if there, especially if there's repeats somehow. Yeah, I mean it is a little. It can be a little fuzzy. Like when you look at the profiles of the like in reality, when you look at the <laughs> the spectrum or the the wavelengths of the different um, emission patterns. Mm -hmm. It can be difficult to determine what a specific element is. Um, sometimes it's well defined. Sometimes it's like, oh, it could be this or that. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the time, you can accurately determine the element. Yeah, because okay. like, it's, if it's anything analogous to like actual like spectroscopy on the in the condensed matter, it's kind of like they have the same thing where you will, depending on the type of material, you can get broad peak broadening, and then that you can't really tell. Um, or, or your degree of accuracy for measuring like what frequency is there is, is kind of like well you know there's a big error bar mm -hmm. but there are some I guess depending on your experimental parameters right in your case for strong, uh, astrophysics or something like you're trying to gauge it depends on like how good I imagine the data collection part is mm -hmm. <laughs> depending on all that so like yeah I think you I, I don't think I don't think we see degeneracies as much because I think the orbitals, the way, well, not the orbitals, I guess, because we're thinking about planets. I'm thinking about condensed matter. <laughs> but um, I imagine it's sort of analogous. Like uh, you only get certain um, configurations for energies because the orbitals are unique yeah. and to, to certain elements. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It goes back to quantum mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot you did this stuff too, Juan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I forgot Juan actually did spectroscopy stuff. I remember a long time ago when, when you were in the lab. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. when we were, you know, just, just coming in out, here. Yeah. yeah, and you, you were doing your little spectroscopy shit. And uh, there's something, something went wrong with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember. I messed it up one time. Yeah. <laughs> I did something really stupid. I'm not going to say what it is. I'm not going to incriminate myself. Yeah. I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's cool stuff though because I always wondered that as a kid too, like how, you know, you look at you look at the star and then you see like, you see a color, yeah, and you're like, well, yeah, how for me at least I was like, how how does that happen? How does that, like, why could I see that? Like for instance, like, 
I always wondered why is Mars red? I'm not a I'm not a planet guy, so this might be mm-hmm. a stupid question. <laughs> I know nah, that's the color no of the question. soil. Yeah. But, but why elements? Why I know that elements. You know, you, it all comes down to like the chemical elements and the kind of colors they give. But I don't know. Yeah. Why, does anybody have an answer? Why is for this? Mars red? <laughs> yeah. um, no, Joe. <laughs> is, it, is it? Is it go? It's back a great to, question to is, me. Does it go back to Greek time when it's like you know it's a god of war? It's angry. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. As soon as the Greeks said it was a god of war, then Mars turned red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, I don't know. Let's, Let's go spe- back to the chemical stuff. Specifically right? speaking about Mars, I mean, it might be for the same reason, but about stars, I mean, we already talked about it. It's because yeah, of spectroscopy, yeah. right? Because yeah, yeah. different elements have different wavelengths of light. Yeah, exactly. Different wavelengths of light have different colors. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it might be... But in this case, it would be absorption, right? Because the, well, no. the sun is... We're getting the light from... The, meaning well, that the earth or the soil is collect, It's absorbing red... Well, everything it's reflecting because when you yeah, have colors, like exactly. everything is colored because the light, it exactly. actually absorbs all the other exactly. colors and it reflects exactly. back what it is, exactly. right? So the sun is reflecting the red light um, from that soil. Right. So in this case, it would be absorption then, right? Like we're getting, it's not even no, like, because uh, in, the pl- in the example of Joe's, the light is being emitted from, uh, from the sun. Oh, right. Um, so this would be absorption, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, normally the example I see in, for absorption is like, say you have a star behind a cloud of gas, mm. right? If you have something hot, you know, the gas is going to absorb, you know, everything but its composites, mm-hmm. right? In the example of Mars, I'm not sure. Uh, can it be considered absorption? Maybe. It depends on what you're talking about. He's not, right. a fan. He's not a fan of Mars. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite planet in the solar system, dude? Uh, never been asked that question. Uh, you one of these Pluto guys? <laughs> <laughs> Pluto is a planet. <laughs> you like what's his name? Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. He's constantly trying to ride off Mars. Yeah, I mean uh, Pluto. Pluto. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a cop out, but uh, I'd just take Earth, right? Earth. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping you'd say something like Venus or no. Venus is not that cool. Saturn. Yeah, I love kind of I love the gaseous giants because they're the most like interesting to me. Saturn's kind of the um, plebe tier planet. Though. <laughs> I think so. Just yeah, because it's, it's got, got rings. rings. Ooh, <laughs> I'm so cool and special. I got rings. That's what makes it cool, man. It's it's a champion. It's a it's a winner. It's got rings. <laughs> the Michael Jordan of our solar system. I love those images of uh, Jupiter. Right. I, I oh, have them yeah. for my backgrounds. Jupiter from, is beautiful. Yeah. From, yeah. Yeah. From like the Juno missions, they have, NASA has some really beautiful. Images of Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a planet X? I'm gonna get into conspiracy theories. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> gotta get any problem on the podcast. Yeah, get, get in. Get in those conspiracy people to like come in. Planet Nibiru. Planet Nibiru. <laughs> Dude, and this is why I love Brian Cox because he he used to when he was on Twitter early on, mm-hmm. he would just shit on everybody, every every conspiracy, every conspiracy guy because they would come at him and ask him like, "Is Planet Nibiru real or whatever?" Planet X. <laughs> And he was just like, you can shove that planet up your ass. Or <laughs> I don't know his accent. I'm sorry if I butchered or if I gave you a weird accent. But uh, Is Brian Cox British? Yeah, I think he is yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I haven't heard him in a minute, so I'd have to. He's got a really yeah. soft, soothing voice, though. That's all I know. Yeah, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But yeah, basically, yeah, he's going to devolve uh, into Trump. Yeah, I already see it right now. I know. Yeah. My name um, is Brian Cox. <laughs> 
I'm I an know, astronomer. Yeah, I know a lot about supernova. <laughs> Wait, is Brian Cox an astronomer? He's astrophysics. Okay. Yeah. yeah is yeah. that confirm that, Joe? I he think might he be is. a cosmologist. Oh, he I, might be I think cosmologist. I think he works on high energy. I thought he worked. I thought on, high energy as well. For some I reason. thought he worked with like yeah, particle I, stuff. I, I think he LHC. Switched. He did work at LHC, but I remember him saying he switched. Oh, or something. Well, let's just not say what he is then for now. <laughs> Brian, if, he's can you confirm? Come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, if we get Brian Cox on the show, we made it officially. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't. He wouldn't enjoy his time. No, he would. We're too goofy. <laughs> we're too goofy. We're. we're but he He'd likes be like, wow, around. so there are retarded physicists out there. <laughs> I'm going to have to beep this. What time is this? 41? All right. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I can't say the R word anymore. Sorry. Um, retarded potentials. Okay. You saved yourself with that one. But, that's what I meant. Yeah. That's the quote unquote. That's that's what's got, that's actually was going to be the name of the show instead of Eigenbros. Um, but I decided against it. Retarded potential. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would have been really good. Maybe we can anyway. use that for something else. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but what was I going to say? The Do that um, for your problem solving series. Yeah, true. That's actually a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but yeah, there's a lot of things I I, I, I ponder about the universe. You know, um, mm. like the uh, it's not a bowl. Like what is what is dark matter? Hmm. Oh God! Well, that, Joe's like, God damn it! <laughs> like, well, well, that's the question, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. if, if I knew the answer, to that, that's right. literally the question. Joe, yeah. you have a Nobel Prize answer uh, <laughs> waiting for me, right? Um, well. No, what's like the what's like the no? You know what? Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about black holes because I know you did this like really cool thing, and you like the time that they discovered or they they took the image of the black hole. Yep, you kind of did this like calculation. Yep. Like for social media, yeah. yeah. For for it was a really cool calculation because you showed, if I remember correctly, like the pixel, yeah, the size that you would need of the pixels to get a good resolution of the image, <clears throat> something like that. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was basically the the resolution you would need to resolve the recent black hole image, yeah, in one pixel, and it was like twice the diameter of the Earth. Damn. Right. And they and they do that for, through radio interferometry, right? They have telescopes all over the Earth, yeah, yeah. And so they basically turn the whole planet into a telescope, more or less. Insane, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the calculation was fun. I mean, it's really basic. It was just, I mean, to a layman, maybe not, but mm-hmm. but um, I just derived the Schwarzschild radius, right? Casually, <laughs> back of a napkin. I casually. I could do it right here in two seconds. <laughs> um, it's just well, you know, light gets yeah. sucked into a black hole, right? So yeah. you just say the kinetic energy is equal to the gravitational potential, mm-hmm. and then you solve for r. And, oh yeah, yeah. And for v, you plug in the speed of light. And that's true, it. true, true. Cool. So it takes two seconds, right? but um, and then you small angle approximation, and then I pull the data from their paper. Uh, for the frequencies that they probed. Sweet. And then you could find uh, the the diameter of the telescope that you need to yeah, yeah. figure out the, um, to resolve the so black So that's basically how they did it. So you basically figured out how that would have been a paper for you. Nature. <laughs> Just figuring out the diameter you needed for that image. Right? Yeah, if I did it, you know, maybe 
years before they started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. See, they just got lucky that you didn't think of it first. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Would have s- swept that up. <laughs> I always like to frame it that way. Like, if I have an idea and I go back into like the research, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I had this idea. This could have easily been my paper. <laughs> just send me back in time to Newton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll Let's... discover all of physics for you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel better, you know, because. Suffering from imposter syndrome in grad school is very real. So yeah, yeah. true that. But um, also I, suffering from delusions as well. That's, that's <laughs> grand delusions. Delusions of grandeur. Yeah, which is I'm sure part of. The, I'm sure of many physicists. I've heard this too many times yeah. that they think that they could do all. They're yeah. like, oh, this is all low hanging fruit. You've yeah. even said this. I've said that. Yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> and that's why I just look and I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> no I'm you forget kidding. all the context of history. Yeah, yeah, true. I, I am being tongue in cheek for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, we still don't know shit. Yeah, yeah so I have some self awareness. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just got to bust your balls, one. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, okay, hold on. Actually, um, my eye fell out. Yeah, I was noticing that. I was like, is, is Juan playing with a lens or what is that? <laughs> So Juan is going to readjust his contact lens, so me and Joe will continue on without him for now. Okay. Um, so Joe, I want to, let's see, can we think of any more interesting fundamental questions? So I kind of want to give some some fundamental stuff just for my own, sure. or some question, fundamental questions for my own satisfaction as well as the audience, because yeah. you know we always talk about other physics, but never astronomy. So I kind of want to just get my foundations of astronomy straight here. Okay. So... Um, you did mention that you don't use GR or general relativity that much in astronomy. Um, yeah. But in my experience. Okay. Okay. Actually, let me not ask that then since you're not, since you don't use it in your, in your everyday, but um, what, so then I guess a question would be then what kind of math do you use normally? Do you even have to even use calculus at often? Um, Calculus, sure, right? Okay, I yeah. mean... Pretty much every... If you're in physics, you're going to be using calculus, right? right. The, the, the main thing I've been learning that doesn't really... I wasn't really taught this is like uh, stat stuff, like Bayesian inference. That's kind of what I was thinking, and that's yeah. a little bit where I was kind of heading, because I'm like, yeah. you know, it seems like it'd be a really useful thing for you guys to learn probability. Yeah. I feel like that in a lot of areas of physics, especially experimental stuff. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's like a hidden secret math world that they don't teach you until you actually like are on the job yeah and i don't get why right it seems so useful maybe because it's just like a little more like conceptually dense than like so there's two types of like statistics like two philosophies i guess you could say mm-hmm. there's frequentist and then there's bayesian inference right so frequentist just means like what you were taught in like middle school or whatever like if you want to find the average you'd take the number of events and you divide by the total or whatever. Um, but for like Bayesian inference, it requires you to basically say your prior, which means like, if this is my model of like the universe or whatever, I expect this event to happen this percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then you do some observation and then it either, you know, supports or maybe it comes in conflict with that model. Right. Right. So, and I guess I got for the big takeaway of Bayesian stuff is you're basically adding in constraints into your probability equation so yeah. that you get a stronger probability that actually correlates with reality. Yeah, I think you could say that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the important thing is just like um, it helps you acknowledge your own biases. Yeah. Is the main 
um, I think, strength of it. Right. And it adds a realness to the calculation yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, like we'll, like we say, oh, you could flip a coin heads or tails 50% of the time it should always come up 50%, but it's like yeah. in real life, there's also a weight to a coin, right? Yeah. The, the side with George Washington's head has some weight to it. So maybe you can add a constraint of weight weightedness on there and then that's true yeah adding constraints to make it so maybe it's actually 49 percent and 51 percent, you know yeah, exactly. or something like that yeah so yeah. cool totally what how's you, your eye what did y'all talk about we were talking about math about stats that you use in uh or i guess for astronomy mm. and we were kind of saying how you know probability is one of these ones that i kind of think is really it kind of doesn't get its its due i feel like in physics like we don't go over much probability stuff no, yeah, it's very, very touch and go. If anything, it's like only like what maybe some, um, uh, maybe some things in quantum have probability you, with it. Bro, they but. don't want you to get any ideas. <laughs> they don't what, want yeah. you to know that becoming a statistician pays more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're trying to keep us. They're trying to keep us uh, retained in the system as yeah, long as possible. Are, huh? yeah. Actually, we, I really love statistics. It's like one of my favorites. Yeah, like I took I took it uh, in undergrad um, for like a math minor kind of thing. Um, and yeah, stats is just awesome, right? Like I saw some Twitter thread or something where they're asking like, what's like some magic that basically happens in math or science that mm -hmm. it's like, you don't understand it, but you still don't like believe it. Someone said the central limit theorem in statistics. And I would agree with that. Right? What is that? Central limit theorem is basically like, you know, you have a random, uh, distribution. You have a certain number of events. You're always going to get a Gaussian. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm. The, the the fact that you get that normal curve, they call every it every time. Yeah, yeah, normal um is is bizarre to me, right? Yeah. The fact that that happens seems like a deep fundamental mystery to me. And and it's one of these things that you're just like, holy shit, like Yeah. How do I have, how have I just only learned about this in life? <laughs> yeah. yeah <it's> really <laughs> you know, you're crazy. like, wow, this just tells you so much about how the world is. Yeah. It's basically like how order comes out of chaos, right? Yeah. And it's just like how that even happens is right. crazy. And like I was watching this Netflix series. I mean, I'll plug it, I guess, is um, Connected. I don't know if you've uh, heard of it, but... No. Um, anyways, it just it tries to explore how like the world, how we're connected to like everything in really surprising ways. And they Is it a hippie or a science show? It's a science show. Okay. So they did an episode on this. Terrence was worried this was going to be that show with the quantum spookiness. <laughs> yeah. What the bleep? What the bleep? Do yeah, we what the bleep? No, no, it's not like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't need another one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they did an episode on something called Benford's Law. I'd never heard of this, but apparently it's known in like the stats community and stuff in mm. mass circles. It's basically how like if you pull um, any set of digits it seems like the connections are everywhere. It's like if you pull a set of digits from like, uh, they pull it like, from example, um, like an astronomy, like uh data table log or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the, for like doing multiplication tables, basically um, they pull like all these digits. And if you keep the first digit, um, what would you expect the distribution to be of one through nine? Right. My first guess would be like something uniform, right? Mm -hmm. It would be equally weighted across all of them, but that's not true. Apparently, one shows up thirty percent of the time. Yeah. Two shows up like a specific number, and it actually looks like it falls off as like uh, one over R or something, hmm. right? So yeah. like nine shows up the least. I don't like that. Right? <laughs> it's it's crazy. I don't like that, I don't <laughs> right. like that one bit. <laughs> what was the justification behind that? 
there is no justification. It's just like everyone, even the mathematicians that they interviewed were like, yeah, it's crazy. I don't mm. know. And it's just like they see it. They use it to help determine tax fraud, to um, figure out whether you doctored an image. Because I've heard like, of that, yeah. So it's basically like if these you somehow pull these random digits out of these situations and it doesn't follow this law, then... Something's fishy, probably. Right. I've it. heard of that because I was like, I always wondered how people, how the IRS is so good at detecting tax fraud. It's because of those... Like you said, right. these magical math mysteries that nobody even realizes, but yeah. you know, yeah, someone these did genius it with, mathematicians figure this out, and then it's like, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> yeah, someone did it with Enron, right? Basically, like after, uh, like after the fact, saw how they cooked their books and how it basically deviated away from this law. Mm. And so it's amazing. <laughs> so, pro tip: if you're going to be shady business, hire some mathematicians to cook your, <laughs> cook your books. <laughs> yeah, shocking. Interesting. What was that? What was that thing called again? It's called Connected. Connected. Interesting. Right. It's on Netflix. It's because I listened to this podcast called. Uh, um, it, it's by NPR, right? It's basically WNYC, right? Uh, Radio Lab. Oh, gotcha. mm. Yeah, Radio Lab. Yeah. Right. So one of the researchers on that show made that uh, Connected. Nice. So. Hmm. NPR good has good content. Yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to listen to NPR. Ira Glass and. <laughs> What's the I'm other guy's name? Like this. Yeah. Hello, everybody. That, that's the original ASMR. Like, yeah. <laughs> just trying to calm you down. Here is so the true. news for today. Please remain calm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to love NPR. It was so good. Me too. I used to listen um, to it all the time. But then, finally, the um, the uh, begging for um, donations got to me. Wait, they have an NPR station here? They do, right? They do. They yeah. always do. Yeah, I never... I but never, there's always that time of the year where they just start asking for money constantly and I'm just like, I hey can't man, take it. man, it's like Wikipedia, bro. I don't... I know, but I, I'm i a selfish bastard and I'm just like, I can't deal with you asking I give them for at money least, all the time. Literally, like, for a cup of coffee, I give them that. I'm just like, here you go, folks. Yeah. But, but I wish you could just donate and then just never, never have to hear the, do- the asking for donations become again. Become a lifetime member, Terrence, and you will never have to do your word from us again. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should. We should take notes for that for the Patreon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pass through the listeners. <laughs> Watch your count literally go like that graph where it's like one, two, and three, <laughs> nine is the least. That's insane, man. The, the like, so is numerology real? <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is numerology is real. <laughs> Just like some idiot who gets nothing out of yeah, the, yeah. nothing out of the take. Yeah, yeah, that's. I guess the exact wrong conclusion. Yeah, yeah. So you're telling me numbers don't lie. <laughs> um, no, but there there is some. But isn't that what mathematicians are basically? Numerologists. <laughs> Come on, that's a that's one. That, think about it. <laughs> it's funny, you know, like um, when you're a kid, what you when someone says like. You're so you're a mathematician, then you think, mm-hmm. well, what does a mathematician do? I guess they just multiply really, really big numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like did you, yeah. when you were a kid, did you actually know what a mathematician? No, did? never. Yeah, never. I didn't. Like, I, I didn't guess even they understand. just add a lot of big stuff, yeah, yeah, big yeah. numbers and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just. I mean, it's fascinating once you get to that level. I think. I think when people, you know, I was because I was going to ask you like, what if somebody wants to do astrophysics? Um, because we have physics students listening mm-hmm. and if they want to go to grad school like if they're studying or if they want to study astrophysics like what would you recommend brushing up on mm. 
Um, like none of this numerology stuff, obviously. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like, you know, do you think it's beneficial to st- to take a stats class or something or like um, stuff like that? Well, yeah. I mean, are you talking? So you're saying like at the undergrad level, like recommendations for like? Yeah, because at grad school, I think most of us are kind of like we're not really going to study. We're going to study one or two things that we like, and then. Call it a day. Yeah, usually when I'm an under, when I was an undergraduate, I like to get like tips for like things of how I can differentiate myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, what are some good tips you can differentiate yourself from the herd? Um, well, for that specifically, I would say coding. Actually, is that's probably maybe my biggest hurdle is trying to teach myself how to code. Yeah, people don't realize this, but physicists, you know, it's not required for us to take coding classes all the time. You know, depending on the school, but I think it's pretty. I've seen a, I've seen it widely enough where a lot of physicists don't know coding, right? They're yep. just learning it now when they're getting into graduate school, even you know, yep. or maybe a little bit in undergraduate. But um, yeah, coding I think is a great tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you learn it on the streets, right? As a physicist, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? So you might pick up some bad habits, yeah, from people who just taught themselves how to do stuff, right? So. Like, I think my workflow would be, you know, exponentially faster if I just knew how to code like a whiz, right? So. Any recommended da- uh, so, languages for well, astronomy? Or? Let me add this because I, I was looking into this because even even me as a, I'm, I plan to be an industrial physicist. So they do require coding of some sort, like C plus or something. Now the best way to do C++. it C plus C plus plus. Thank you. Yeah, C plus is that's like, not your grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like there, a lot of community colleges offer um, certification programs for this. Like it's like a summer term um, for you to just be certified in this, and that's usually enough to get you in the door in a lot of places because it shows that you actually know it. Like you, you can write in your resume that you know C plus plus, but it's not going to help you or Python. But it's yeah. it's going to be pretty much hearsay. Yeah, they, they'll test you on it. Like, they'll give they'll you a couple you. a code block or something and yeah. say, what does this do or what's yeah. the problem with this code? So, so every, time I do, every time I do computer science interviews, I'm like, shit, I really don't know shit about computer science, <laughs> I guess. So that's what, but that's what I mean. Like, I think, I think in, look at your community colleges. Don't Typically, your, your universities will not offer these certification programs. Like, mm-hmm. technical community colleges will. <laughs> like, they'll just mm-hmm. give you, like, because it, it, they give out associates, right? They right, much, right. Like, handle short-term kind of like program certification programs yeah, yeah useful thing i never did when i was undergraduate that might help is um actually look for like astronomy related jobs like if you really want to go into astronomy look mm-hmm. for actual astronomy jobs on like indeed or monster or well, like what are some of the other like good ones for museums and stuff <laughs> what do you mean uh, I'm, I'm genuinely asking <laughs> working in museums yeah because museums have like Planetariums and stuff. Oh, yeah, oh! Yeah. I don't want to consider an astronomy job. I would consider an astronomy job like actually working in a like national observer? in like a observatory or something. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, look for those jobs and then see what skills they want from you. And then they'll have a list of things. Usually they'll say like, "Oh, you need a PhD in an astro, yeah. uh, three years of coding in." Whatever the fuck the good language is for that time or whatever. Yeah, um, Spanish. Coding <laughs> in Spanish, El Planetario. <laughs> but yeah, so there's that's a good way to see what you should need as well. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, anything in Astro is going to need coding, right? Like, yeah. even if you're in an observation, 
right? Most of the time, you're not actually sitting there looking through a telescopic lens, mm-hmm. right? You're telling the telescope where to look with a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, the only rare exception to that is like uh, some people I know who fabricate like the instruments, they, like actually machine like the telescope parts and stuff nice. like that. But like everything else, I think you're gonna need to know how to code. Mm-hmm. So. And that's such a universally useful skill anyway. So let's say you are sick of Astro by the time you get to yeah. uh, grad school or something and you want to just quit and go somewhere else. Coding, that sticks with you for pretty much any tech-related field, right? Yeah. Useful in every single field. So, Joe, you as a physicist, do you think if society collapsed, would you would you be able to make your own telescope? Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm answering you know, honestly. You know the fundamental pieces though that you yes. need, right? The um, the main problem is is like the optics with like the lens and stuff. Right, right, right. I don't know how you would get the specific I bet you could do it. Curvature or whatever. I believe in you. Cuz remember <laughs> Galileo made this back in like yeah, 1500, 16 1600. I think it's 1600s I want to say. Right. Yeah. Sure, I guess. Give me a few years <laughs> to devote to figure out yeah. this stupid lens, and then yeah. <laughs> maybe you just gotta yeah. polish it real nice, and you know, yeah, you become, uh, yeah, because a lot of those guys they kind of like Galileo, I guess they got really good at at at, I guess making glass, right, or glass technically, yeah, glass for the yeah. lenses, yeah yeah, 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 or maybe they just hired some guy to do it. <laughs> They're like, you know, to do this, you yeah, I mean, make it was, this glass yeah. for me, yeah, true. I'm pretty they sure were all rich, remember. Yeah. Those guys all had money. But all it really yeah. takes is, I guess if you wanted to make this a telescope at home, you technically could, right? If you had a Yeah, I a, think you could make furnace. <laughs> yeah, I think you could make a telescope fairly simply. Yeah. I'd have to remember my optics, but I think if I drew a few ray diagrams, I could probably back engineer it. True. Well, well, yeah. And then one other thing would be like the coordinate system, right? They use What do you mean? For telescopes, they use RA and DEC for determining position on the sky so you need oh. to have some type of like fine control fine motor control gotcha which would be uh maybe mm. difficult <laughs> yeah that might be a little bit more challenging but i think um yeah, i think you probably figured it yeah, out yeah because like astronomers back then were more like circumnavigators right to circ mm-hmm. they, they use the stars to circumnavigate the world sure right yeah. well i mean mm-hmm. that would so be all the science right yeah that's what they used it yeah. for you would be you would be one of those guys. You'd be on a ship whether you like it or not. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's it's super interesting. But um, I think man, we're uh, approaching. I know the time. I had another question though, but I totally forgot. I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. Sure. But um, yeah. So, Joe, any final thoughts? Uh, no. I mean, just uh, thanks for having me on again. I guess mm-hmm. this secures my place as most common guest. I don't know. True. Yeah. I think yeah, it's it really is. True, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I think Joe is the, uh, yeah, number one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> number one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I guess uh, if you want to plug anything, Joe, go ahead. Um, sure. Yeah, we I can mean, do it at the end, the outro. Oh, sure, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll, stick, we'll, st- stick around for the outro, folks. Okay. Thanks, guys, for uh, sticking around yes. and watching the podcast. Yes. Um, yeah. Just to let you guys know, once again, like, share, comment, subscribe. Follow us on eigenbros.com, eigenbros on Twitter, eigenbros on Instagram, eigenbros2 on TikTok, and then also follow Joe. Joe, you are beyond the physics. On or Spotify. what's the. At Twitter? Uh, 
Well, Beyond the Physics first, of course, guys, on yes. Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Yeah, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, um, so on. All those places you can find him pretty much anywhere. Um, and then what was the Twitters, Joe? And the Beyond underscore physics. Okay. And then you guys also do Facebook, right? Yeah, we have a Facebook. Right. Okay. Yeah, go check that, that out. Do you remember the name of it? Yeah, the page is just Beyond the Physics. Okay. Yeah. Verified. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you guys are verified, right? I don't know. No, I don't okay. think so. I think Does it's Facebook awesome. even have those truck? Yeah, I think they do. I'm sure they had to copy off of. Well, then I else. guess not. I'll have to call Zuckerberg. I know <laughs> 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 But anyways, yeah, I would appreciate it if you guys go check it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let us yeah. know what you think. Yeah, actually, let, let me just add that Terrence and I did episodes on that too. So if you really want to hear about our personal lives, yeah, if you're new, yeah. new fan to Eigen Bros, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Uh, yeah. If you want to dox us, that's how you would do it. Um, <laughs> Shit, well, <laughs> don't be giving the crazy ass people with any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, please check them out um, and stay tuned for more. I guess. Yes, we will see you guys next week.